everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. This Saturday is officially Derby Day, and that means it is time for us to talk some Kentucky Derby. So joining me today to do just that from the Racetrack Network, none other than Dan Silver. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dom. It's great to be on here. It's Derby Week, man. It's This is one of the best weeks of the year for us horse racing degenerates. That's right. And you know, in, in honor of the Derby, I feel like I have to pull it out today. I feel like I have to go wow. with a little bit of the top hat here, my friend. Now, that's, that is like a, a UK thing. If you were over there, and it's funny, over there, they don't call it the Derby. They call it the Derby. So the big race the big race over there is the, uh, the Epsom Derby. Uh, so, yeah, but you would fit in right over there, man. It's Royal Ascots, the big meet over there. It's coming up in uh, mid-June, mid, mid uh, June, I think. So you could head over there, and you'd be the talk of the town. You'd probably have to upgrade your shirt a little bit. but Yes, for sure. The uh, the attire would have to definitely improve. I debated going all in on the bit with the full suit, but uh, I decided, yeah, you know what? We'll leave it with just the hat. I had to pull it <laughs> out. And, you know, I guarantee you, the odds that during this interview, I'm going to pronounce it Darby because I'm a big soccer guy oh. and I am just used to at this point reading that word and pronouncing it that way. I guarantee you it's going to happen at least once here. But let's get on into it here. Starting, what exactly is it that you do over at Racetrack Network? What is your company all about? Because you guys are a big reason why horse racing is something you can even bet on in, the, in America. Yeah, so we've got a uh, a business to business business, and then we've got a business to consumer. And um, so uh, Robert's Communications Network is the kind of the parent company that I work for. My boss Todd Roberts created this company, and and basically what we do is we take the video feeds from the racetracks. So uh, you know Belmont Park, Churchill Downs, for example, they have an on-site production team. They put together. Uh, the graphics for the racing with the odds on it. And then we have satellite dishes and fiber circuits um, and internet circuits and all the racetracks basically around the country. And so we take all those video feeds and then we bring them back to our headquarters in Las Vegas. And then we distribute them to like just tons of locations. So any off-track betting facility, any racetrack, um, we do North America, we do around the world, um, any online betting platform that someone might be betting on, uh, Roberts Communications is delivering the video to all those sites. We also deliver some of the wagering information. Um, and so basically we're we're the video provider for the horse racing industry globally. Um, and, and then we also have a really cool part of our business that's called Racetrack Television Network. So it's uh, rtn.tv, really cool website. Anyone can go to check it out, rtn.tv. And we uh, sell video packages um, for like as low as like five bucks a month where people can basically subscribe and then they can watch live video and race replays. Race replays are really important for handicapping and trying to figure out who you're going to bet on. You can subscribe to all those cool features and packages um, at rtn.tv. And then we've got the HD video for basically all the racetracks out there. So, so yeah, so my company, uh, basically tons and tons of video distribution um, and some wagering distribution, uh, really cool stuff. And so you guys basically, if you ever walk into a sports book and you go over to the race section and you might be wondering where on earth are getting, they getting the feeds for all of these videos from like all over for horse racing, that's you guys. 
Oh, absolutely. And so that happens a lot. I'll be in a casino and talking to some buddies or whatever, playing some poker and people will be asking me what I do. And I say, I'm in horse racing, video distribution. And they're like, what does that mean? And then I just point over at the, at the, you know, the race book and they've got all these cool HD video feeds coming in. It's got the, the RCN logo. Um, that's our company, the logo in the bottom corner of the screen. And I'm like, you know, my company delivers all this video to these TVs and people are like, oh, that's pretty cool. Now, you also mentioned that you guys deliver some wagering information. One of the biggest things with horse racing that maybe takes some people a little bit of time to wrap their heads around when they're just getting into it, because it's a little different from normal sports betting, and that's paramutual betting. Can you break down kind of the the short version of what exactly is paramutual betting and how does it work in horse racing? Yeah. And so it's totally different than what people think of as like sports betting, which is a lot of fixed odds betting. Paramutual is a French word and it's not spelled mutual, like mutual fund. It's it's M-U-T-U-E-L. It's actually, it's a French word, paramutual. And it means amongst ourselves, which basically means that instead of betting against the house, you are basically just betting against other people. So the way that it works is that um, all of let's, let's take the Kentucky Derby right? Like there's a morning line that's out. So people can look at like what the odds maybe are predicted to be, but the way that the odds are actually going to end up being when they go off, it's going to change up until post time. Cause how it works is that all of the money bet to win, for example, on the Kentucky Derby for paramutual is going to go into one huge pool. And then what happens is, is that the racetrack usually takes about 20 to 25% off the top of the pool. So then what you've got remaining after that is 75% of the pool. And then that money is basically divided up amongst all the people that bet on the winning horse. And that's how it works. So there's, so there's basically a set amount of money that's taken out of the pool. And then the rest of that pool goes to the winning bettors. It's totally different than if you go to a casino and you want to bet on a football game. And let's say that the Eagles are favored by four and a half points over the Cowboys or whatever, and you put your bet in, you're locked in at minus four and a half, right? And then if enough people bet on it, okay, then maybe the line will change to like whatever, minus five or minus five and a half. With horse racing, you can bet on a horse, and then the odds are going to keep changing in the paramutual system. They're going to keep changing up until the race time. And it could go either way, right? Like you could bet on a horse that's three to one with five minutes to post. And then it could go off at either four to one. So you're getting better odds than you thought or two to one and you're getting worse odds than you thought. But so basically that's how paramutual wagering works is that the house takes a percentage off the top and then the rest of the money is split up amongst the remaining winning betters. And the important thing for people to keep in mind there, the, the nuts and bolts difference is if you go into a sports book, like you said, and you bet on the Eagles at four and a half. You have that line. You have purchased the, a ticket at that line, and if the bet if it moves to four, you still have four and a half. With paramutual betting, it's a little bit different. You buy the ticket, but then based on how many other people buy tickets for that particular horse, your odds can either go up or down, and you don't have a ticket at a specific price. You have a ticket at the price at the end because, like you said, all of the money is pooled together. The track takes out their percentage. That's how tracks make money today. And that's a big reason why the sport is able to survive is through this form of betting. And then all the money that's left whenever the horse wins, if fewer people bet on that horse, you win more money. It's almost a little bit more like a lottery system than a, uh, than, than a betting system. But 
The flip side there is also there still are fixed odds that you can that you can get. Some books will be out there offering those prices. And like you said, we have a morning line that we can reference right now, but those numbers will change drastically. Whereas if you buy a fixed price ticket at a sports book, that ticket is going to stay the same price. And we'll discuss a little bit of both of those lines today. Guys, real quick, remember when you're looking for free picks and sports betting advice, bettingpros.com has you covered with tips from over 150 experts to make it easy for you to cash out. Download the app to get sports betting alerts. You'll get notified of favorable bets based on line movements, consensus picks from the most accurate experts, and vetted systems in play. Betting Pros monitors all of the major sports books, most accurate experts, and top systems to identify the best betting opportunities. So download today in the Apple or Google Play stores. Now, Dan, let's talk about some of these horses themselves, specifically some of the favorites here, because we only have three horses right now in the single digits. Morning Line has Epicenter at 7-2, to two, Messier at 8-1, to one, and Zandon down at 3-1. to one. Is this a wide-open derby field, or is one of these horses a clear runaway favorite where everybody's kind of saying they have a massive inside track? So to me, and the Kentucky Derby, it's a 20-horse field. You've got a bunch of horses coming in from different races. It's, it's hard to kind of gauge them against one another. So for me, the Kentucky Derby is almost always like a pretty wide-open race, unless there's some just flat-out dominant horse based on the speed figures. And exactly. we, don't, we don't have like a Medina Spirit or American Pharaoh this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Medina Spirit actually went off at like eight to one. So he wasn't even like that big of a favorite. Uh, American Pharaoh was, you know, a, a projected pretty big favorite of the race. Um, but uh, but yeah, so to me, it's a fairly wide open race. Um, and there's question marks about the two favorites for me. There are question marks about. So Zandon is the morning line favorite at three to one. Great trainer, Chad Brown. Um, but he's a closer which means that he likes to go to the back of the pack at the beginning of the race and then kind of make a big rally at the end. And for me, that's kind of like the most exciting running style, right? Like seeing this horse galloping down the stretch and making up a lot of ground. But when you're dealing with a 20 horse race, that can be a problem. Like it, it's different trying to come from last place against five horses than against 18 or 19 horses. Because if you're only going up against five or six horses, it's a little easier to weave in and out of traffic Whereas Zandon is probably going to be in 17th or 18th place early on in the race. And then he's going to have to weave his way through all these different horses. And so even if you want to say he's the best horse in the race, which I don't even think I would say that, but if you did think that you'd also have to acknowledge that he's going to have to have a little bit of racing luck. So for me, that's not the kind of horse you want to bet on as a favorite at the center um, has run some good races. He's he's two races in a row. He's run very well with decent speed figures, but he's gotten perfect trips, meaning like he went to the lead in one of the races and no one challenged him and he won. And then in the other race, he was kind of able to just sit right behind the leaders and make a move. Again, this is a 20 horse field. And I don't think Epicenter has shown me enough to make me think that like betting him at four to one or something like that is good value the other thing about him right now is that he's got a great trainer, Steve Asmussen, but he's kind of struggling at the moment. He has not been winning a lot of races recently. And so I want to see him start kind of like winning, winning races because it's streaky. Like jockeys get streaky, trainers get streaky, just like in baseball, hitters get streaky, right? So I kind of want to see how he performs. I do like Messier. 
Um, he's one of those horses that used to be with Bob Baffert and is not anymore because Baffert's not allowed to compete in Kentucky. Um, and I think that Messier is coming out of one of the strongest prep races, which was the one in California. Uh, but he lost that race. He lost that race to uh, Taiba, who's one of his stable mates, actually. Tim Yachtin is now training these horses that Bob Baffert used to have. And I think that Taiba might be a more talented horse than Messier. So I do like Messier at eight to one, uh, but there's some other horses I like a little bit more than him. Talking specifically about Bob Baffert and obviously not allowed to compete in Kentucky, but these horses are still to a degree Baffert horses. Tim Yachtin training them now, but back but before then they were Baffert horses. Do you think that they're going to still be bet like we often see Bob Baffert horses get bet in these races where the public tends to flock to them? Or are, do you think the public might stay away a little bit more? Yeah, I don't think they're going to get bet like they would have if they were trained by Bob Baffert, right? Like Taiba is, I think, 12 to 1 on the morning line. If Taiba was trained by Bob Baffert, he would not be 12 to 1 on the morning line. He is probably the most talented horse in the race. He's only run twice which is a kind of scaring some people off. But yeah, if Messier and Tiber were trained by Bob Baffert, I think that they would be getting bet more than they will be getting bet. Now let's talk about some of those more long shot horses. Like you said, this field is going to be very wide open. Specifically, there's a Japanese horse in Crown Pride that is getting a lot of buzz right now. Crown Pride 20 to one on the morning line at the moment. Just had a really good practice run, it looks like I've been seeing on Twitter here. But do you think that Crown Pride could be a sneaky live play? Just won the UAE Derby. Foreign horses don't typically do that well in the in, in the Kentucky Derby, though. Could he be the one to change that? Because there's been a lot going on with Japanese horses, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, so foreign horses, you're absolutely correct, have not had a lot of success in the Kentucky Derby. And most of the foreign horses that run in it uh, precede that race by running in a race called the UAE Derby, which is held in Dubai. And there hasn't been a whole lot of success with horses coming from that race to the to the U.S. for the Kentucky Derby. However, the Japanese horses specifically have been having a lot of success recently over the course of the last year. Last fall at the Breeders' Cup, which is a huge horse racing event with races on the grass, on the dirt, for older horses, for younger horses at all distances, the Japanese won two of those races. And one of them, uh, they won a turf race, which the horse was kind of one of the favorites. But they won a dirt race with a horse came called Marsh Lorraine. And she was like a huge long shot in that race. And it kind of opened some people's eyes. And not only that, but then earlier this year in Saudi Arabia and Dubai, the Japanese runners had unprecedented success. And so a lot of people are wondering, like, what's going on with these Japanese horses? Like, are they are they have they figured out how to train them a little bit differently so that they're better able to handle the rigors of international travel or something like that? Like, like what is going on with these horses? Whatever's going on, they're running really well. And so you have to respect the Japanese horses around the world. And that includes this horse. And he won the uh, UAE Derby in his last race. He's been training very well at Kentucky, at Churchill Downs, as you mentioned. Um, he doesn't look as fast on paper as some of these other horses. But to me, the Japanese horses have been running so well that you ignore him at your own peril in this race. You said he's 20 to one morning line. 
because of what I'm talking about, I think he might get bet down a little bit, maybe to like 14 to one. But I'm the kind of person who I bet like multiple race wagers. So I might bet like a pick five where I got to pick the winners of five straight races. And I'm definitely going to use the Japanese horse because I can't let him beat me the way that these Japanese horses are running. And they're not just having success abroad. You mentioned that they have also been winning in the Breeders' Cup here in America. Yeah. Yeah, they won two Breeders' Cup races last year in America. So it's not only, you know, in Asia that they're winning. They've come over to the United States and they are running better than they ever have before. And it's only a matter of time before a Japanese horse wins one of these Triple Crown races. And and I won't be surprised if this is it. Another long shot here is Summer is Tomorrow. He is 30 to 1. And he could be potentially another guy, another horse that people are looking at. He came in second in that UAE Derby. Is that correct? Yeah. So Summer's Tomorrow, to, to me, doesn't really have a good shot to win. But however, he is going to impact this race greatly because the running style that Summer is Tomorrow has is he goes right to the front. He's a fast horse. They call it a sprinter. So he's a sprinter. So he's going to go right out there at the beginning of a race. And uh, they call it pace. And they say pace makes the race. And so basically what that means is that let's say there's a, a race with 10 horses, right? And only one of them likes going to the front and the other nine like being at the back of the pack. Well, the one in the front is going to have the advantage, right? Because he's just going to be able to coast along at the at the front of the race and just chill up there and do his thing. Or if there's nine horses that like being on the front and one horse that likes being in the back, it's greatly advantageous for the horse that's like being at the back. Because the horses in the front, they're going to tire each other out. They're going to go too fast. And then the horse in the back is going to run past all of them. Now, that's an extreme way of kind of providing those examples. But... Summer is Tomorrow is going to add a lot of pace to the front of this race. And there's some other horses, Classic Causeway, Messier, who like being towards the front. And it's going to cause them problems that Summer is Tomorrow is in there. So I would not be betting on Summer is Tomorrow to win, to place. I think he's the favorite to finish last, quite honestly, in this race. But he's going to impact the race because of his style. And you talk about that with style and various attributes, front running as a sprinter or being a back of the pack horse in the, in a crowded field, like the Kentucky Derby, like you talked about, it's a 20 horse race. Most races in America are eight to not seven to eight horses. What attributes really do you take a look at in the Derby versus some other horse races that make you say, this is a horse that I would like to be betting on here. What are the things you look at? Is it that you like to be betting sprinters or is it simply that based on each field? And if so, what are the attributes you're looking for in this field? Yeah. So, you know, and it's kind of what I was talking about with Zandon earlier on where he might be one of the best horses in the race, but he's a closer and he's going to have to go around a lot of horses. And that leaves a lot up to luck, up to the racing gods. So typically in the Kentucky Derby, you prefer to have a horse that what they call is handy or versatile, meaning that he can kind of go up to the front, towards the front, if he wants to, right? Like early in the race, so you can get positioning. So if you think about four different kinds of running styles in, in horse racing, there's front runners, there's stalkers who are right behind the front runners, there's mid-pack runners, and there's closers. 
And traditionally, the stalkers are the ones in the Kentucky Derby that have done the best because it's very hard to win the Kentucky Derby going wire to wire. Medina Spirit did it last year, and it has happened. <clears throat> but typically, there's a bunch of horses that want to get to the front, and they tire each other out. And then it's that next group of horses, the stalkers, who can sit there and then pounce and then hold off the closers, a lot of whom might be coming into traffic trouble. And so typically, while any of those styles can win the race, the stalkers, typically, that's where you want to be. You want to be in that second flight of horses um, around the track. So that, that's where I think you want to be. And, you know, a couple horses that I like this year are, are sort of stalkers. I mean, I think Messier is going to get a good stalking trip. I think that Taiba could get a decent stalking trip. Um, Charge It is one of the long shots I like, and I think he's going to get a good stalking trip. Um, Cyberknife is a horse, horse that's another long shot that I kind of think is going to get a good stalking trip. So those are the kinds of horses that I prefer in a race like this. Guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about Sleeper. It's the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry, and now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, just choose any sport, then choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, number of points in a basketball game or hits in a baseball game. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out and talk some trash together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Just make sure to use promo code BETTINGPROS, all one word, and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and then use promo code BETTINGPROS, all one word, when you deposit and make your first pick. My pick for this weekend, Giannis Antetokounmpo over 29 and a half points. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper.com for details. Now, another thing is the fact that it is very tough to compare these horses. It's almost like last year in the NHL, how every team just played their own divisions. And so you didn't see anyone versus anyone else. That's kind of how it always is in horse racing, because it's not like all of these horses are racing each other you're making comparisons that are almost apples to oranges. But one of the ways that we can look at and make some of these comparisons is through prep races, the races that these horses are racing in before the Derby to get them ready. What are some of the horses that have been performing really well in these prep races? And what are the stronger prep races that you've been looking at? Which ones are you weighing the field more heavily versus others? Yeah, so that's one of the things that makes the Kentucky Derby so interesting is there's 20 horses in it. But very few of them have run against each other because there's all these prep races, like you mentioned. And those races are all about four to six weeks before the Derby. Um, there's the one in Dubai I mentioned. There's one in Florida. There's one in New York. There's one in California. There's one in Kentucky. There's one in Arkansas. There's one in Louisiana. So there's all these prep races. And uh, there's people in horse racing who very smart people who put together what they call speed figures which is kind of a way of equalizing um, the times at the different tracks to actually put a one number on how fast a horse ran. And you'd hope to be able to compare it to the other races, because as you said, these horses are running against each other. But this year, a lot of the prep races had similar kind of speed numbers. So 
it's a lot of it's a crapshoot for me. Uh, the California race, which is called the San Nita Derby, I thought was a very strong race this year. Uh, that's the one with Taiba and Messier. And the Florida Derby, which is a race that a lot of people don't really think was a strong prep. I actually like some of the horses coming out of the Florida Derby. Chargent was coming out of that race. Uh, White Abario won that race. His trainer has not done very well outside of Kentucky traditionally, Safi Joseph. So there's some question marks there. But Chargent's trainer, Todd Pletcher, has so for me, the San Diego Derby and the Florida Derby were two of the stronger preps. Um, the races that Epicenters come out of, a lot of people really like those races, but I'm not sure about the quality of those races. Uh, the, the New York race was okay. I didn't think it was spectacular. Um, and the Kentucky prep race was, you know, was okay. But for me, the California race was the best prep race, and that's the race that I'm kind of concentrating on horses coming out of that. Another big factor can be weather, and it's looking in the weather forecast right now like it's going to be pretty rainy up to Derby Day. Do you think that there are some horses that are going to fare better on a muddier track versus some horses that we maybe want to look at late if the track ends up being a little firmer and a little more dry? So it has been raining a lot in in Louisville. It rained yesterday. Today's dry, but uh, Thursday and Friday, it's supposed to get more rain. So there will be some moisture in the track. Now, the, the track team there does a great job. And by Kentucky Derby Day, I'm guessing it's going to be a dry track. Uh, but it's very hard to predict which horses are going to like mud in the track because a horse could like a muddy surface in New York, but maybe that surface is different than the muddy surface in uh, Louisville, Churchill Downs. So. It is very hard to predict. You can, when you look at the past performances for these races and you can get them at like DRF.com, which is the daily racing form, it will show you the conditions for the horses from the past races. Uh, like Zandon, for example, his win uh, in Kentucky at Keeneland Racecourse right before the Derby was on kind of a wet racetrack. So that would lead you to believe that he would probably like, you know, a little bit of wetness in the track. But as I look through these past performances, not a lot of these horses have experience on a wet racetrack. And so it's kind of, it's, it's hard to figure out, you know, what would happen on a wet racetrack. It's, it's just another variable. It's another reason why it's hard to bet on a horse at a low price in the Kentucky Derby, because there's so many variables. So it's why I kind of try and concentrate more on longer, longer priced horses. Want to track all of your wagers in one place? Check out the Betting Pros Pick Tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks hit, which miss, and gives you a live look at what the public is doing so you can use real-time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we offer at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. Now, my last question for you here. What are some of the mistakes that first-time horse racing bettors, that casual horse racing bettors might be making going into a race like this, things that they're overvaluing or undervaluing when picking a horse? Obviously, this is an event. Some people are just going to come in and go, I like that horse's name. That's my pick. Like that, That's a time-honored tradition at the racetrack. And by all means, there's no bashing of that. Absolutely go and make a bet based on that if you want. We're here to have fun. But some of the people that may be trying to take it a little more seriously, what are some of the things that they might be doing wrong when they're making their picks? 
So one of the things I like doing the most, and again, this is, like I mentioned, we've got our website, rtn.tv, where you can buy race replay packages. The way that I handicap personally is I like watching replays because I think that if you watch the last few races that a horse had, it really gives you an idea of what kind of talent they have, right? And if people just want to go and have a good time and bet, you know, 10 bucks on a horse to win, that's awesome. Like pick the name or whatever. But if you're really serious about um, handicapping races and winning money at horse racing, I think that watching the replays is very important because then you can see, hey, you know what? This horse tried to make a move early in the race and he got blocked off, right? And maybe that's a reason why he ran third instead of why he he might have won the race if he hadn't gotten blocked off, right? So I think that watching the races is very important. Something else that people talk about is there's a difference between handicapping and betting. So someone could be the best handicapper in the world, but if they don't know how to then translate what they've determined into specific bets, they're not going to be making money because there's so many different bets you can make, right? You can bet to win, you can bet to place, you can bet to show, you can bet trifectas, you can bet pick fives. You know, trifecta is the top three horses in one race. Pick Mm -hmm. five is the winner of five straight races. So there's all these different kinds of bets you can do. I think that you need, people need to focus on what their strengths are. Um, So some people, like I'm pretty good at at handicapping races on the grass, right? So theoretically, I should be betting more of my bankroll on races on the grass. And, and, And just like any form of gambling, the key to making money is... Uh, being disciplined and waiting for good opportunities. And so we're talking about the Derby and everyone's going to bet on the Derby. It's not always the best race to to bet on because there's so many variables. It's one of the best races to bet on because the money that you can win is so big. You could hit a superfecta in the Derby and pay off your house. Like we're talking big time money, right? Um, but it's just very unpredictable. Like you could do the best job in the world at handicapping the race, you could figure out that there's a 40 to one horse who's going to win and you're convinced of it. And that horse might then get blocked three different times in the race and you don't win, you know, and Hey, you know what? It's, it's just kind of horse racing luck. So it's it's the unpredictability of it all. But I would tell people if they, if they really want to be serious about, you know, uh, is go and watch it, you know, go and watch the, the prep races that these horses ran in and make your own decisions on, on which horses you think are the best. Now, before I let you go here, Dan, you have to tell me who is winning the Derby. So I think that Taiba is the most talented horse in the race. And if you put a gun to my head and said, who's going to win, I would go with Taiba. It's a question that I don't love because the way that I bet is, you know, I'll probably be, hopefully be alive to five or six horses to close out a big pick five or pick six. Um, uh, and, and so again, in a 20 horse race, I can't guarantee you who's going to win. But, exactly. It's, but, but I have... would say Taiba would be my top pick. And then I think that Charge It and Crown Pride and Messier and Cyberknife are horses that people should look at too. And that's an important thing there. You're going to have a diverse portfolio going to this race. You're going to have ways that you're going to be able to lock in a profit based on five or six horses coming out on top here. I have to ask you who's going to win because that's... Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. So um, I'm going to go with Ty. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Dan, thank you so much for joining me here today. Where can people find you and all the great work that you're doing? Yeah, so folks can follow me 
uh, on Twitter at dsilver88. And I mainly tweet about uh, horse racing and hockey. I'm a big Flyers fan uh, and a little bit of poker. So those are kind of like my, my loves. They're my sports loves, horse racing, hockey, and poker. So if you want to follow me uh, at dsilver88. And Thomas, really great to be on the show. It's a great show. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the time and best of luck on the Derby this weekend. And guys, best of luck to you all on the Derby. Best of luck with all of your bets. We will be back here tomorrow. Going to be talking some UFC with Lou Finichiaro. Going to be another great show, so be sure to tune back in for that. In the meantime, you can follow Dan on Twitter at DSilver88, like he said. Follow me at TV at work. And as always, let's cash some tickets, guys.